I don't think I've ever actually made an intro before an intro, but I had to after I uh, talked to my audio engineer. The sound is not amazing on this, but definitely don't let that deter you because the knowledge is fantastic. This is a subject I'm extremely passionate about, which is copywriting and how it can really, really make a difference. So please check it out nonetheless. And I'll make sure I'm a little bit better about making sure, um, you know, our guests are equipped with what they need. All right, now here's the intro. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Leadership Locker. I'm getting right into it. Anytime I see content that blows me away, I literally reach out to that person and I'm like, can I have you on the podcast? And Camille Trent is no exception. She is a managing editor at Marketer Hire. And she is one of the only people I see on LinkedIn who does texts only posts. And guess why? Because she's a ridiculous, ridiculous copywriter. Here's an example of one of her posts. I've yet to find a two-in-one shampoo that works, yet everyone wants a 20-in-one marketer. Now, don't get me wrong. I know some multi-talented marketers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, that's incredibly easy to read. She absolutely crushed it. And it's just, when you find exceptional copywriters who are putting that kind of content on the internet, on LinkedIn, on social media, you automatically know that's that could be the difference between someone having a successful page or following or getting connections or establishing business relationships and not so she's a copywriter and brand strategist uh, she works in-house she's on freelance she's on agency her specialties are website copywriting social media content and she's a big fan of dame dollar the the point guard from the portland trailblazers who is one of the best out there, but he is not gonna win a championship and she's gonna kill me when she hears that. That being said, let's get into this. We're gonna talk about copy and how you can differentiate yourself through words, not just video and images. All right, I already did my intro and we just warmed up a little bit talking about basketball, which is great but you have the intro. Of course, I'm going to let you give your 30 second version as long as you don't mind, Camille, and let's hit it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I am the managing editor at Marketer Hired. It's basically a, I would say a premium talent network for marketing freelancers. And, um, and I can get into that. But basically, the reason that I'm here is all of the experiences that led up to that, which was basically me working at an agency um, and then me working at in-house for a couple of places, small businesses, and uh, and then me also freelancing, you know? So it's kind of like this this uh, convergence of like all these things of um, or all these experiences. You know, I'm a big fan of freelancing and uh, I really enjoyed my time at agency and the skills I was able to pick up there. And I like working in-house too. So it's kind of a, it's, what I'm doing right now is actually a pretty good like, uh, summation of like who I am and my experiences before that. Yeah. And just to remind you, some of the people listening are going to be transitioning service members and some are veteran entrepreneurs and whatever. And my job, my goal is to kind of educate them even on like the lowest pieces of the totem pole. So when you're talking about uh, in-house versus at an agency, you know, when it comes to kind of the marketing journey, what does that mean? Oh, yeah. Good question. Yeah. So basically, the traditional model is basically for companies to work with agencies on their creative. And so what that means is um, on their ads, basically, like my background was in advertising, pretty traditional advertising. And so, so recently, I was actually just writing about this yesterday. But um, when I graduated in 2014, a lot of companies were moving their creative or their marketing 
they have some marketing in-house, but they're more moving more of the advertising and the creative and just building out their teams in-house. So meaning like within their company rather than going to a third party. So for instance, when I, when I graduated at the recruiting fair, it was a bunch of these like big agencies, like think like Mad Men style, like the Ogilvy's, you know, like the Leo Burnett's, like those types of agencies. And then there was Apple <laughs> too. And so, which was weird. We're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> but, um, and it's funny because that's like a dream job for people, right? But like we were all like dead set on like on working at an agency. Um, but things have shifted like so much recently. And so I could get into that. But but basically, yeah, 2014, uh, around that time, that's when like Apple was moving away from like their traditional ad agency who had like tons of success, lots of award-winning campaigns that people would recognize because like they felt so strongly that they should kind of like build it themselves or or at least hit the two against each other to get the best talent and the best creative ideas. Yeah, let me, this is perfect actually, because I had an experience, my very first client ever, and I completely admit, I didn't know a lot of what I was doing yet. You know, so I was, I was literally just starting a business, but you know, we did a lot of video for them. We blew them up on LinkedIn. They were just getting complete and, and just like massive, massive amounts of organic views. And ultimately you know, at some point, the ROI came into question. And this is a conversation my COO and I have all the time. It's like, okay, look, uh, you know, now I'm starting to understand two years into this a, a lot more. And that is, you know, the marketing greases the skids, you know, it, it primes the pump, but like, who's going to extract, right? Who's going to do something with all that? So you can't tell me, you know, if you got a million views over the last however many months that, that you know, somehow that falls into my lap, right? Like, well, I'm not sure the ROI is there. It's like, well, cool. What are you doing with all that? Because we always add up the watch time. So we're like 777 hours, you know, so you got that much attention, who's doing what? So my question to you is, so what happened was they're like, we're going to move in-house. I'm like, none of you know shit about marketing. I, I'm, I'm just like, I, I, it's, it's a collateral duty. And number one, I know, I know dealing in the Marine Corps, that was a huge thing where I was a pilot and a ground safety officer. And I was in charge of the motorcycle safety club, like just all kinds of randomness. I'm kind of used to that. But I think if I said, if you, let's just imagine you and I were working together, I'm like, oh, also, I need you to do some video editing for me and whatever. And you're like, uh, yeah, sure, I got it. What is the advantage by looking to do it in-house? And, and how do you know what it's like, fuck this, I'm just doing an agency or we're doing in-house? Yeah, yeah. So um, so someone on our team actually like just wrote uh, an article like about, <laughs> about the pros and cons of each. And I do think that there are pros and cons of each, right? And so, yeah, speaking from my own experience, like... I think it really depends like what stage you're at. Like there's not like a definitive answer of like, you should always go in-house or you should always do this. But I think that the big thing with, I'll start with agency. So um, one of the big things I see with agency is like that like hive mind, like because you have like multiple people working in the agency, like you're able to get the benefits like of that collaboration. And a lot of creative work is collaborative, like in nature um, to be able to like, yeah, extract like the, the best idea. It's, it's data-driven and it should be data-driven as well and customer-driven. Um, but also just, yeah, figuring out the best way to execute and get that done fast. Um, so there's that. And then there's also the reliability, I think, of, of agency too. Like there's the brand behind it and there's the processes in place often. And so those are like kind of two benefits I see for that. And then just growth. So this can go for freelance and agency with just kind of like, kind of like you said, like putting like the gasoline, like on top, but you do need something to be kind of like 
working. Like you need to have like some foundational elements, I think. And then you like, you add the agency or you add the consultant to kind of like, um, to get to that next level, I think. So now I want to talk about copy because I said it in the intro, which you'll hear, but my favorite thing is when I see content that like makes me sit up or my eyes get big, or I'm just like, that was worth it. That that's, I always am like, I, I need to talk to that person and see if they'll be on the podcast or whatever. And I always got to watch out for consistency, of course. And you are so consistent with the, just delivering the heat. And it just makes me envious in a way. But talk to me, talk to the audience, please, about what copywriting is. I cannot tell you how many times people have looked at me like, what are you talking about? And and they literally think copywriting, you know, like, you know, the C with the circle, like trademarking something. Talk to me about copywriting and, and how important it is in, you know, the landscape of social media or advertising today. Yeah, I think I think the simplest definition is, is words that sell. I think sometimes people get hung up on that word sell, right? They're like, but this, but kind of like your client, right? Where they're, they're like, I don't see this ROI on this, right? But that's getting into like the nuances between like marketing and sales too, right? Like an attention versus like conversion and and the different steps that like are in between that, right? But words that sell, so like they can be selling an idea, right? Like they, um, so a lot of my posts, like because social media is what I would call like top of funnel, really, like, right, or it's, it's a low intent channel, I'm not going to social media, because I'm, like, trying to find something, like, I'm, I'm trying to find, like, a box of granola, you know, like, it's not, it's not transactional, like, it's, um, it's about community, and, like, networking, and, like, learning, right, especially, I'm talking, I guess, specifically about LinkedIn, so it's professionals that are trying to learn more, uh, grow in their field, connect with other professionals, right, and like you were saying, you're looking out for copywriting or, or to learn more about copywriting on there and stuff. And so recognizing that um, the reason that people are on the platform and then adapting your skills and your know-how to that platform, like I think is the, is the number one step of just understanding like how people use the platform and who you're trying to target. And that's even been like a hard thing for me because like I said, I'm just all over the place. Like I'm interested in everything. And so just trying to like rein it in with being like, I'm mainly going to talk about copywriting and marketing, but I'm also going to just mix in experiences. Like I'm, I'm not going to like stick with a schedule so much that like if something happens that day, you know, that changes uh, things for me, then I'm, like you have to be willing to add that back in. So going back to copywriting, words that sell and it, it can just sell an idea. It doesn't have to like physically like sell your uh, something in your e-commerce store like day one. Because especially for B2B, it's about building that relationship. You you are very unlikely to sell anything that day, that week, you know, and so it's it's an investment as far as social copy goes. The other thing that I wanted to bring up, because I like this analogy and I just kind of stumbled into it on another call like this, but the idea that a book, like the cover of the book is copy, I think. The back, I think like the front and back is copy and then like the inside is content writing. So, so some people will disagree with me on this and, and think that copywriting and content writing are kind of like in the same bucket, but there's like a little bit of a nuance there of like copywriting is a, is more salesy or it's, it's more, I shouldn't say more salesy. It's more to sell and it has to have that hook in a way that content writing doesn't. Yeah. 
we talked about a couple of things that we were going to discuss, and, and there has been a little bit of an evolution just to kind of keep on topic with copywriting versus content writing. And and you you mentioned it's commodity versus category content. Can you expand a little bit on that? Yeah, so this is a perfect example. So, so you're on LinkedIn, you see a post, this happened maybe two days ago. So somebody was talking about that without saying those words. And then I was like, oh, this is the difference between commodity and category. And so I just like, put it together then. So category in brand and in copywriting is like when you're setting the stage, like you're, you're creating something, you're like starting a new conversation basically. So an example of this would be what drifted with conversational marketing. So they kind of like owned that, like they created a new category of like, we are conversational marketing. Um, and that's something that any chatbot company could do. Right. Um, but, but instead they're saying we're, we're a chatbot company. <laughs> and so by, by kind of like reframing it and saying, um, no, we're not real. We're not a commodity. Like we're not a chatbot. Like we are our own thing. And like, you can't compare us to these other companies because we're not like them. Like we're our own thing. You know what I mean? And so Apple is a great example of that too, right? Like where they're like, they're like, we're not a computer. Like we're Apple. <laughs> you know what I mean? They've gotten to this point, like in their brand where, um, they they can't be compared like to PC like because they are they really are like their own thing and they've they've managed to get that with a lot of really good advertising a lot of really good marketing that started with good positioning so so it does start with that that foundational level of like positioning of like what are we what are our strengths how do we double down on those and so that we're not an option we're the option you just reminded me so. David Gearhart, I'm in one of his Patreon groups and he's always sharing a lot of his thoughts and he has this one Apple ad that he just obsesses over. And I forget what one side is, but it, it was when the iPod came out and one side, you know, the copy said something along the lines of, you know, a digital library just for you or I don't know what. And then the other one said a million songs in your pocket. And I was just like, oh, like it, it's 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 clearly different. And as my knowledge increases about words that sell, I'm going to definitely like keep that in mind. Now, I, I told you earlier, that we do video. So I feel like I'm very good at my craft. I feel like I get people a lot of attention. I really try and stay away from some of the corny bullshit and the images and, and you know, the motivational phrase and self quote, like I, I can't do that. But what I can do is help people be themselves and get their message out. However, the copy's not always there. And and we don't we don't provide copy for them. We do ha now have a copywriter on staff, but there's a friend of mine who really kind of took the time to invest a little bit more in his headline. And then, you know, he's like, okay, let me like focus a little bit more on the second sentence. And all of a sudden, his views started like tripling. Like they would watch the video and read the copy. And I think that is an absolute killer combination. But if you don't know where to start and you are that friend or client of mine, how do I even approach copy if or words that sell if I'm just like, dude, I'm, I'm basically illiterate. How am I going to write something that people are going to ingest? Yeah. Well, so I would say if writing isn't a strength, but talking is like usually people lean toward one, right? Like where they're more comfortable doing something like this or they're more comfortable writing to think through their, their thoughts, basically. So I think it's a combination, but let's say that it's talking, like you're comfortable talking. So you can start with that. And I would say doing something like this, just talking to someone else and, and hitting record on it, there, there'll be something good in there. <laughs> uh, like, especially if you have some sort of prompt. Again, I mentioned this in the beginning, but like 
having something to kind of like rein it in um, and to keep on topic, you'll have something like within that prompt that's that's interesting. And so you listen back, you listen for those interesting moments. And you can start with that. You can like jot down, you know, some of the things that are different. Some of the, you're thinking that's different or something that's just said in a slightly different way. Like exactly what you said with the, with the iPod, uh, like a thousand songs in your pocket. This is another way of saying something else, but it's interesting. And so, so you look for kind of those nuggets and you kind of like jot those down and you can build a narrative from there. So, so I find with myself that I, I typically just start with a prompt, you know, something is interesting to me, um, like this idea, for instance, of moving in-house or whatever, or the, the differences between an agency and freelance. Um, so you have a topic, and then I start basically riffing on that, and you just let all the words pour out. You don't worry about the, the quality or about the headline or all, all of that. You just start writing or start talking. And then you go back, and you look at what you have, and then you say, like, what is my point? <laughs> like, what is like, what is the point that I need to like get across? And usually that's the headline for me. How important is the headline? The, the headline is everything because if, if they don't read the headline or the head, headline doesn't speak to them, they're not going to read the rest of it. So that's just in a nutshell. You have to have the headline to get the opportunity, say whatever you need to say, right? Like you don't even get in the door without the headline. Hey everyone, it's time for that mid-roll sponsorship update. This episode is sponsored by the Talent War Group, a leadership collective of special operations personnel, highly accomplished military leaders, industrial psychologists, educators, speakers, all to help you build elite teams. We're available for speaking. We're available to help consult in order to help your organization build elite teams and get your talent pipeline squared away. We are here for you. You can go to thetalentwar.com and there you will find access to the Talent War group where you can check us all out and you will also be able to inquire for any engagements that you'd like to pursue with us or just to talk to us in general. Our mission is super simple and it is just to help you get your organization and your business to the next level through human capital. Check us out. See you soon. So can you give me an example of maybe a couple tips or the audience, a couple tips of like, here's a definitely don't do on the headline. And here's a couple of things that will inspire curiosity and make someone read that second line. Yeah, that's a good question. So I think when you start making it too much about you, like if, if you lead with you, then that can be a red flag. It can be a you story. Like dialogue is actually a great way to start a post or to start an ad. But if it's too self-serving, if it feels like an ad, then those are like, no, no, I would say like uh, people can spot ads and they can spot promotional language. And so there's that. And then there's also anything that is boring. Like if you're starting with, these are uncertain times, these are unprecedented times. If you're starting with, you know, we'd love to follow up with you. We noticed that you didn't respond to the last, like, you know, this, this works across mediums. Like this is, I'm talking about email, like sales email. And I'm talking about social, I'm talking about ads, but if it, if it feels like an ad, if it is not interesting, like those, those are, I would say, the, the two red flags that you should stay away from. And then things that you should do is make it feel human. And so, so that's why I broke down some of my like top favorite headlines um, the other day. And I'm trying to go back and remember all of them. But basically, it's dialogue. So opening up with dialogue. And the, the thing there is just dropping someone into the middle of 
the plot, right? And so I love this about Breaking Bad. Like they'll they'll have like a little like sneak peek of that's my favorite show ever. So good, like so good at storytelling, and that's partly why, right? Like they they give you like a, a little taste of it, and there's always a there's always a hook at the beginning, there's always a hook at the end, and it's just like this never ending loop. There's really good character development. I won't go down that rabbit hole, but dialogue is a great way to to start start off, right? The other one that I like is thesis style. So what I mean by that is, as again, like, is your point at the beginning? Like, do I know what I'm going to be investing in at the beginning, right? Because because sometimes like you will have something catchy, but I don't know what I'm getting myself into, and I I I'll click the the read more, and I'm like. No, like I'm out. Like I, I don't know what this is about yet. It's taking too long for me to figure out what it's about. And so I'm I'm just not gonna do it. So just being clear, basically, being upfront with your audience about this is what I'm talking about and this is my take on it. This is a common style I use of like uh, what, what was my thing the other day? It was basically like uh you don't have to be a lifestyle brand to write copy with a pulse, right? So like that is my point, right? Like it, but and I'm saying it in a way that's that's interesting, right? And then, the, and then the, the preceding lines like should give your take. And so that was a good example of like, I was able to put it all in one sentence, which is always a bonus of like, here's what I'm talking about. And then here's what my take is on it. If you can get that like in, in one sentence um, without forcing it, then that's great. But what I like to do on social, if I can't, is here's what I'm talking about. Here's my answer. Like, here's like the short answer, basically, you know? And you're summing it up. And so people can get everything that they need from those two lines if they want, but it still serves as a hook of like, wait, why, why is that your take? And so then you can like scroll down and see and dive into it more. But I'm, I'm trying to let people uh, consume content the way that they like to consume content. You know, like if, if that's enough for them, if they're like, okay, that's the answer. That's, that's everything that I needed. You know, then they can scroll past. They don't have to read the whole thing. I've truly never thought of it that way uh, in terms of being able to serve two audiences in the same piece. I very much am just like, look, they're either going to read it or they're going to watch it, one or the other. I, there's not an in-between in my mind. And then that kind of client I was talking about like really kind of changed my mind. And it's really funny how you talk about, you know, what's the main point in the military? I'm not sure if you've heard this phrase, but bottom line up front, we always say bluff at the beginning of an email, right? Like bottom line up front, like we're deploying two days early and then the rest is below, but that's all you really need to know if you don't want to read the rest, right? That's huge. And then the other thing, I gave this example in the intro, but what kind of example is this? And I loved this one. This, I think this is the one I'm like, I got to talk to her right now. It's I've yet to find a two-in-one shampoo that works. Yet everyone wants a 20-in-one marketer. I'm like, bananas about that. I'm just like, perfect. So what would you call that kind of style? Is that the kind of, here's my point, here's my take? Yeah, I think it fits into that. But I put that, I think, as the analogy style. But I like that it works as both, right? Again, like the more checks, like, so I, I kind of have like the five headline styles, but it seems like the more things that I check, the better, right? So, so I have another one that's like sort of controversial style. And someone actually clarified this for me and, and said it was like the antithesis, right? So you have your thesis, your antithesis it's explaining what you're about to see but it's also kind of controversial like it's a take that not other people would have now like you're more incentivized to see the rest of it right and so it's a win-win but the analogy one is great for me and this is again like finding out like which headlines work the best for you um not just what works but what's authentic to how you actually talk right or how you actually think through things and so that style works well for me the analogy style 
because that's sort of my strength is just like connecting experiences that I have, right? And being able to say, oh, I was at the grocery store and this happened. And that's exactly like B2B marketing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, <laughs> yeah. when you have those moments, like you see things in, in, in a way that connects things that have no business in being connected. That's what I've, I've started thinking about it as is like, is like my superpower is like connecting things that like have no business being connected, uh, which is really cool storytelling. Yeah, that's funny. I have to tell you, I, I went on a run yesterday and I was flying at the beginning unintentionally. I was like, wow, I'm like going faster than I thought. And I have this thing where I try to go faster every mile. And then when I turned around at the halfway point, I'm like, shit, like I, I didn't realize there was wind at my back, you know? And I was like, now I'm going to be having to work extra hard to even get that time lower per mile. So I went on LinkedIn Live last night and I'm like, that's like business. You know, sometimes you feel the momentum and then all of a sudden you're like, all right, well, I guess I'll just continue on and step it up and like ride the wave. But at the same time, if you go too fast, you're going to be unprepared to kind of finish it out strong. So that was my analogy. I had to share that with you since we're yeah. talking about it. And I, I never know if they're going to work or not, but I'm like, this is how I think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I mean, it's really just like, how can you simplify something that's complex, right? So you probably have to explain like, the complexities of like video or even like the complexities of marketing because it's kind of hard to it's it's a hard sell sometimes for people who don't get it because it's like okay how, what does this have to do with business like what does this have to do with revenue like why why am I investing in brand you know and so being able to kind of like connect those dots in a way that people understand and sometimes it's as simple as this isn't really a connection thing but I told one one boss who we were basically working with a partner company who was doing outbound sales through a phone, right? So my thing was like, have you ever like bought something from a cold call? Like, have you ever like purchased something from a cold call? Have you ever listened to like the pitch of like a cold call? You know, like, have you listened to it all the way through? And then, yeah, same with email. Like how often do you buy something from like a cold email or how often do those things like go through? And so, you know, just putting it in that perspective of like turning the tables on like, would you do this? And, and I've heard someone else say this with blog, right? Like when they were getting asked about like, well, why are we, get, why are we getting leads from the blog? And Tim just basically turning around and be like, well, have you ever bought something from a blog, <laughs> like from the actual blog? No, but like, you know about the company and if your purpose is awareness, you know, then you've succeeded. Right. And so it's, it's figuring out what success is for the channel and what channels are intent channels. Yeah. Going back to just repurposing your content for social or repurposing it for blog. Do you think then, let's say I'm talented. I know I'm a talented writer and maybe I've gotten the feedback and the 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 even better part is I, I absolutely love to do it. But you're saying, look, like that doesn't mean you could be a content marketer or that doesn't mean you should write, you know, as an SEO marketer and, so, and some of the other kind of facets here in, in the marketplace. Like you will find the right place, but just because you write well doesn't mean you will write well in this kind of category. Yeah, I think that I think it's one like knowing your strengths, and then two like respecting the craft um, and how long that craft takes, right? And so this is like pretty much the same for everything. Like I, I love this topic because it's like I have a actually decent understanding of like how long it takes to to like edit video, and like for me, it takes a long time, <laughs> and so so I have more yeah, respect. Sucks. Like <laughs> exactly, and so um, so I have more respect for like what you do because because I know like how long it takes to get there, you know, like I have a decent understanding of like, 
well, I could get faster at this, but I would have to put in the reps, you know, like I would have to be doing it every day and stuff. Or like I can, I can pay someone more than like, I think that I would pay myself, but they are better at it than me. You know, people usually gloss over that fact of like, oh, that seems too much. Like that's a, that's too, that's a too high of an hourly rate or that's too high of a retainer or whatever. I could do it. Right. But then it's like, yeah, but what else could you be doing during that time? And also, are you as good at that thing as that person? And so the, so the way that this, this goes back to, to copy is like anyone can write. And so, so people are often like, uh, discredit like this, um, this field, I guess, like the field of like content marketing, there's so many posts out there of like getting paid like a cent per word or whatever for content writing, especially copywriting, like is getting actually like a little bit more respect than it has in the past. But, but in general, everyone's like, I can write, you know, like I could write if I had the time, but I'm just giving this to you because I don't have the time, you know? And so, yeah, respecting someone else's uh, craft and like their talents is something that I'm really big on because I'm not a great designer. I'm not a good video person. And I think having done it and like realized how long it takes does give you that respect for other people. There's people I know and a couple of clients I have who have freelance copywriters that they use. And it was a couple of months before I even knew it. And I was just like, they capture your voice unbelievably well. And it really works. And it's, it's interesting because a lot of people, I think there is this weird reluctance to hire someone to do that because someone might not capture their voice or someone might not capture the brand. But I do believe you're right. I believe the respect is starting to take an incline and that it's like absolutely worth it. If, if someone can summarize what the hell you have in your head and what your thoughts are, and you don't have to spend the time trying to improve it or wondering why this post didn't blow up because your words suck, then then do it. So the one thing I definitely want to cover here, the time is flying. I hate when this happens because I'm like, let's just go. Like This is the best. But a lot of people don't focus on the data per se. And, and that's a really important aspect of this. And, you know, what can you talk about? You know, people think words, right? Words that sell, cool. That's what copy is. It's that simple. It's it's black and white. But no, there's another element. And I'd like you to definitely talk about that. Yeah. So, so again, it comes back to what is the purpose, right? And so like, is this, are you writing copy for a direct response type campaign, like where you need that click through, or you might even need like that purchase? You're going to measure that a little bit differently. But in general, like, if you're talking about B2B or you're talking about something with a longer sales cycle, which is more of what I do, then it is more about relationships and, and community. And so I more look at consumption, like how it's kind of what you talked about with video, right? Like how much is being consumed? Like, are you getting any feedback on that? Is it positive feedback? If it's not positive, what are they saying? If it is positive, what are they saying? Like, there's so much data and this is what I love about social is that you get that data for free, like instantly. <laughs> and so I'll just talk about the social, but, but it obviously applies to, to ads as well. Um, and you can see, you know, like what people are consuming. Cause you can go to the, if you take them to a webpage, you can see if that, how long that they're on that webpage. That's one good indicator. You can see like the, the click through rates, you can see just like the impressions and what makes a difference. So there's lots of different things that you can measure. It depends on what you're trying to accomplish, obviously. But just going back to social, I talked about this the other day. Some things that I look at is like the immediate response. So um, I try to look for like a engagement rate of like 10% is like ideal for me being like in the first few minutes. Am I getting 10 likes on the first hundred views basically? 
like that's optimal. And then it does seem like as you grow and just the way that that algorithm works too, that sometimes that can like dip, like for whatever reason, like once I was hitting like a hundred likes, like fairly consistently, then it did seem like it would be closer to like that 5%. Again, like you should, you shouldn't get obsessed with the data, but I do like try and take that into account of like, okay, why might that be, you know, like, is it the times that I'm posting of the content? I, I do try and keep like a quality check of like, and I always assume that it is me just because like I'm more motivated that way of like, how can I create better quality content? And if I assume like, if I assume that I could do better, then it pushes me to do better, if that makes sense. Like of course. if I assume that like the content could be a little bit better, then I will try to like raise the bar a little bit and there's nothing bad that's going to happen from that. So one thing, it's, it's funny you say that, one thing we focus on, and, and I completely agree, but I, I want to take it uh, a notch. One thing that we look for is as IAC connections, because well, yeah, I have a company page, but all business development comes from everything that I post. I mean, everything. We've never we've never done anything paid, and, and I'm trying to keep it that way for as long as possible. But as connections go up, if I maintain my engagement rate, then I'm very, very happy. And I go to my analytics and I'm like, great. And just for anyone out there, like that is a very good goal, you know, that initial 10% over the first however many, but I've talked to the CEO of this gentleman who has a LinkedIn analytics tool called Shield. And, you know, the average engagement rate is probably somewhere around 2.5%, which sounds abysmal to so many people. But you just have to remember, if she's posting, if I'm posting, they're not showing it to all of our followers or showing it to a fraction of our followers. So don't expect anything out of the water, you know, 5%, 4%, 3%, that's all good. The other thing I wanted to say is how we gauge our clients' success, especially on the copywriting side, is by the comments that they're getting. If someone's like, love it, super, legend, I'm like, fuck that. Like, that's not what we want at all, right? I want to inspire a conversation. I want some good hot takes on that so that I could reply as well. And that's always good for the algorithm, but that's not gaming the game. That's just literally meaning your words are doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Yeah, and I should mention that like by engagement, I, I do think that comments are way more like important than, than likes, right? Like I would so much rather have like quality comments than likes because basically I think the point is to like start a conversation and to learn from your audience right like I want to like hear what things resonate with them like what what things they they like yeah and just knowing whether it's positive or negative like what they think like of that of that post right rather than being like 100% love it yeah that type of stuff but I'm glad you brought this up too because this goes back to like one of the other headline styles that I think of specifically for social is like does this start, start a conversation? So one way that you can start a conversation is by asking a question, right? Like by asking a question, you are expecting a response or at least you're like provoking, yes, some sort of response. Um, the key to this though is to have a thoughtful question. A good example I think that, that I did like a while back was, yeah, would you rather learn about something interesting from someone that doesn't care about it? Or would you rather learn about something that you think is boring, like from someone who, who is really passionate about it. Right. And so just to me, like my, I guess my answer is like the passion, right? Like a, a passionate person can like make in, anything interesting, like, but there's like this transfer of like of, of passion that goes along with that. And so that was a good example of like something that someone would want to comment on. Like, would you rather questions in general, like are a party game because, because of that reason, like they get people talking about stuff. And so so thinking about the types of questions and whether or not they're thoughtful and if they're targeted to your audience, like the people you want to. 
I agree. And I just want to mention one thing that what she's talking about, there's actually thought into the question she's asking. She's not just vomiting her point and then saying at the end, agree, question mark, like that's rookie status. So uh, definitely keep that in mind. So unfortunately, we have to wrap. But where can people find you? Where would you like them to find you? And where can they read your copy? Yeah, yeah, sure. So you can find me on LinkedIn just uh, Camille Trent um, should come up right away. Um, yeah, feel free to, to DM me if you have any questions about copywriting um, or about some of the things we talked about here. Like I said, I am the managing editor at Marketer Hire, so definitely check out that site as well. I help create a lot of uh, the content um, that goes onto that blog and we'll be creating some, some courses and some other tools and stuff for marketers. So, so yeah, those are the two, two main places. Awesome. And I'll just uh, throw in a little bit about marketer hire here. So one of the pieces that caught my attention is we hire the best marketers on a freelance basis, full-time, part-time, or hourly, which is really, really important if you are a startup or if you are just want to kind of test out you know, whether you want to kind of do things in-house or agency or whatever it is. So I think that's really good. And it also says here, you have expert marketers available for interim CEO, growth marketing, email marketing, paid social media manager, all that good stuff. So a litany of tools. So definitely check Camille out and marketerhire.com as well. And thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Rich. So fun. And that is a wrap on season two, episode two with Camille Trent. I absolutely clearly love copywriting, as you can see. Uh, and, and I think it's just, it's going to be the difference maker, uh, no matter how creative you are. If, if you can add that part to your arsenal, whether it's you or, you know, a freelancer or someone in house, I, I think that's going to be the absolute game changer, no matter if you're trying to go organic for organic reach, paid reach, direct response, any of that good stuff definitely hit up Camille. And uh, last but not least, please leave a rating and review if you enjoyed this. Share it with someone who might get the benefit from understanding a little bit more about copywriting and content writing and and some of the differences and some of the tips that she gave to help you level up. So the more subscribers and, and the more reviews and ratings that we get, the more people are going to hear this. And that is exactly what we want. We want to make sure that we honor the people who took the time to be on the show by spreading their words out to the masses. Thank you so much. We'll see you in a week.